Welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Steve. I'm Sarah. And I'm Erica. So friends, we are in this series called Christianity 202. This is a sequel series, I guess, to a series that we did a while back, which was Christianity 101, where we talked about all of the basic foundation things of what it means to be a Christian. And so in this series, we're going a little bit deeper with um, our, our questions and figuring out what does it mean to be a Christian or a follower of Christ. So, so far in this series of Christianity 202, we have looked at how do we read the Bible and how do we interpret the Bible? Um, because there are many different ways that we could read the Bible, some of them with some dragons. So be careful of those. Uh, so where are we going today, Erica? So today we are talking about the mission of the church. What is the, I guess, maybe another way to put it, the purpose of the church? Um, why, why are we here? What are, what are we called to be doing? Um, are we called to do things just in our own backyard? Are we called to um, take the good news of the gospel across the globe? And how does that work? What does that look like? And possibly even looking at some of the dangers um, of how mission work in the church has been done in the past. And so how we can avoid um, stepping into those potholes here in the future, too. So it, it seems like this is one of those disclaimer moments that when we started our Christianity 101 series, Once Upon a Time, we tried to keep our topics to things that we thought reasonably the pretty broad umbrella of historic Christianity could go mm -hmm. basically all, yeah, that sounds about right. They might nuance it a little bit, but so topics like God, yep, we're pretty much a pro-God community. Um, Bible, <laughs> yep, Jesus, yes, that kind of thing. Um, and that occasionally in that series, we'd get to subjects and go, well, at this point, different traditions talk about it different ways. That's sort of Christianity 202. And thus, our conversation today is one of those that different branches of the Christian family tree or different maybe moments in the last 2000 years will put different emphases or uh, have different focus points on how we think about what the church's mission is. Mm -hmm. and, and probably all of them looking to some kind of biblical rooting. I mean, I don't think any of the, the various models of the church's mission out there are just made out of whole cloth, but we appeal to different traditions within the scriptures about who and what we're supposed to be. Maybe that's a place to start. What are some of the different ways that Christian traditions talk about mission before we sort of settle around on setting up some guardrails ourselves? So some denominations are very focused on trying to convert everyone to Christianity, um, whether that be in their own backyard or going across the world to do so. They take very seriously Jesus's command to go into all the world and make disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, and I so, also just reinforce that of like their brand of Christianity. Yeah. Like I have heard of um, denominations who send missionaries, you know, the people that are sent out to do this mission to like South America to convert the Catholics. Right. Mm -hmm. And, right. you know, like at least in my definition of Christianity, Catholics 
are a part of that group. So yeah. like, I wouldn't think, oh yeah, let's go convert the Catholics. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some denominations specifically like the more conservative, like Baptist groups will go and try to convert the Catholics to become Baptist. And or not that- Baptist, to become not Baptist, not Catholic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, okay, so there are some traditions whose primary focus is conversion to a particular stripe of Christianity. So that's not mm-hmm. only people who don't identify as any kind of Christian, they're also they're part of that, but also other people who are outside their particular brand of Christianity, all candidates for you need to convert to our kind of Christianity. All right, so that's one swath of how we might think about mission. And let's let's be fair, even though each of us come from different branches of the Christian family tree, that uh that approach probably appeals to like a great commission in Matthew 28, you know, go therefore into all nations mm-hmm. baptizing them and making disciples. Uh so like okay, that that would be their go-to verse. The here's Jesus given the mission and they're supposed to go and make disciples. So that means go make people convert to, you know, Christianity. Okay, so that's one uh, area of how we think about the church's mission. How? What are other ways that Christian Christians have thought about or think about what our mission or purpose is? So there's been a big movement, at least within um, my circle of Lutherans, um, of being missional, which is the idea of leaving our church, going outside of our church buildings to serve the communities in which we are located. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I think, has been in response to um, we've had a tendency for the past couple of decades of being very um, insular and very inward facing and not really active and not really serving the community, just sort of existing and being a social club, um, just go- doing worship. Um, and so the missional movement has been, no, we have more than just being inward facing, we need to be outward facing, we need to serve the community, we need to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, you know, we we need to do all of those things that Jesus did within our own community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that approach to uh, thinking about our mission might uh, be rooted in places like uh, like Matthew 25, the parable we sometimes call the the judgment of the nations or the sheep and the goats where Jesus sort of announces, you know, you were, I was hungry and you fed me, I was naked and you clothed me, I was thirsty, and like it goes through this list of needs that are to be met. And Jesus sort of responds to the people who have done those things, to other people, you've done it for me. And that that's sort of a hallmark of uh, what the people of God or the righteous are supposed to do. So again, it's not like this is, uh, one uh, one definition of mission uh, makes up their definition, and the other is the quote biblical one. But like these are all rooted in different mm-hmm. uh, emphases in in scripture. There, okay. Are there other models or other maybe biblical rootings that we might think about for how we think about what the church's purpose or or uh, uh, mission is? I think one that kind of falls, I'd hope, under all denominations, all brands of Christianity. And kind of encompasses both the, the the two aspects we've already talked about is the worship of God. Okay. Just generally speaking, you know, whether, and that takes all kinds of different forms. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, part of our purpose is to worship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be through sending missionaries or that can be through serving our community. And that can be just Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah, because as much as I, I, you know, just just said 
my group of Lutherans, the ELCA, we had a problem of being too insular and Mm -hmm. worshiping, like just doing worship. And we needed to get outside and do more. Um, You know, on the flip side of that, Erica, you are absolutely right. Like if we're not doing worship, like if we're not worshiping God as a community, then I don't think we're no longer, we're not a church anymore. Now we're just a social service. Mm -hmm. Um, So it, it does, I think, have to be, we have to find that balance of doing both worship and going out and serving. Like mm-hmm. it can't just be one or the other because without one of them, I feel like we stop being the church. Yeah. Well, and Sarah, you said without worship, we become just, you know, a social club or, or you know, um, I forget the terminology to use, but if we just focus on worship, we also become a different type of social club. Yes, for sure. You know, and, and we do become that insular you know, only focused on ourselves and not thinking about mm-hmm. the greater world. I've I've often thought to myself that part of the the connecting point for me of worship into our lives of service in the wider world is that like in worship there at its best, there's supposed to be clarity. Like the worship is about like helping us to see again who God is and mm-hmm. to be in praise and thanks for who God is. But like as we hear the word as we're fed at the table as we see Christ in the community here, we sort of get regrounded, recentered on who God is and where Christ is so that then we can see Christ in all the places he invites us to recognize him in the face of the neighbor, in the face of the hungry. Um, so that again, it's not just like we're here to be good doers in the world and oh, the poor, pathetic world we're here to be the saviors of, but like we're there to encounter Christ in the wider world as well. Um, and if I can't see Christ, oh, there's, there, you probably heard this line. I think I've heard it to, attributed to J- St. John Chrysostom. Um, if I don't see Christ in the face of my neighbor, uh, I won't, or the hungry person, I won't recognize Christ at communion at the Lord's Supper that like that those are, are connected to recognize the, uh, the the neighbor is the presence of Christ for us as well. And part of God's grand cleverness, I'm supposed to be Christ for my neighbor as well. So that when when my neighbor encounters me like, oh, yeah, Steve, he kind of reminded me of Jesus in that moment. And hopefully I recognize Christ in my neighbor as well. Um, so, so clearly the, the, the notion of worshiping God as part of the church's mission, there's lots of biblical rootings for that. We can imagine mm-hmm. not only the whole story of ancient Israel, just centered on worship. Jesus certainly seems to endorse that love of God and worship of God are pretty central, uh, in his own, um, in his, his showdown with Satan when he quotes back, worship the Lord your God only and serve only God. Um, and the early church in, in the book of Acts, you find them regularly gathering either in the temple or in their own special sort of gatherings of worship. And the the, the ancient Roman Empire, as they encountered early Christians, were like, the, the distinctives were like how they gathered and worshipped Christ like somebody worships a god. So like, yeah, yeah, that. And Christians were like, yep, that's what we're doing. Um, that, uh, that That's clearly an, an early piece of it. Um, I, I would toss out as well as a piece of our mission. And again, I, I think this kind of touches on both the... Um, witness piece and the service piece um the imagery that jesus uses in the sermon on the mount of being salt and light and what i think in particular Mm -hmm. about those images 
is that those are things that are meant to make what they are put in better or more fully themselves, but not to dominate them. So like, to me, that's a really important image, both that the salt in the whatever it's in, uh, whether it's food or whatever, is not meant to dominate the whole flavor, but like it enhances. And that when Jesus used the imagery of the kingdom of God being like yeast in the dough, that it's a small presence that that is meant to be small, not dominating, but enables everything else to be more fully what it's meant to be. So that like our presence as the the community of Jesus is meant to be distinctive and different, but not like a dominating, we need to be in charge and calling the shots mm-hmm. everywhere. And that I, in a, in a sense, I guess, I think that also means part of the church's purpose, at, at least as I would see it, is to intentionally be weird and out of step, to point toward a different order of things. Um and that we don't confuse the church with the kingdom of God to say that God's reign is equal to the church and that the church as institution is identical, but like to say we're supposed to be enough out of step in good ways, like holy troublemaking kind of ways that say to the rest of the world, the world is not all that it's cracked up to be, uh, and that the empires of the day are not as all they're cracked up to be, um, but also to point us toward God's reign and God's way of being in, in the world. I will readily admit that's uh, uh, the influence of the Methodist Anabaptist peace tradition Catholic <laughs> theologian Stanley Hauerwas, who says something like, um, the purpose of the church is not to make the world better. The purpose of the church is to make the world the world. In other words, like to say, let the church, let, let the, the wider world be what it is. And then the church is, is meant to be this sort of countercultural alternative community mm-hmm. that embodies a different set of values. And that will say, we're not here to try and um, get our political agenda or our party to be decreed or dominating everybody. And we're not here to take over, but to be this very different way of living because we are convinced that Jesus has risen from the dead. And that changes how we encounter everything. Steve, I think it was helpful when you said that the church should not be confused with the kingdom. Oh, okay. Um, because the church is run by sinful people. The kingdom is not. Um, and and so, yes, the church is to strive to look like the kingdom and act like, you know, the kingdom that Jesus talks about. Mm-hmm. Um, but we often fall short of that. And, and so I think that was a helpful distinction. Um, that we need to, especially as religious professionals, need to keep in mind that our local church, our denomination is not the kingdom of God. Yeah. It serves the kingdom of God. And it, I was talking about best... the kingdom of God, but. And I, I think that's so helpful also because um, it, it used to be that you just belong to whatever church was closest to you. Like, because, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, it's not like we had cars where we could drive an hour and be at like the perfect congregation or whatever so it it was just oh yeah you you went to the whatever church was it within walking distance or within mm-hmm. a horse ride and you just sort of made do with whatever church that was and with whomever was part of that church like you didn't break apart or anything because you found that it wasn't a perfect perfect fit um and now you know, if you're looking for a church home, you know, you've, I'm sure you've heard of the phrase church shopping. Mm-hmm. You go around to a whole bunch of different churches to see which one you like the best and you join that church. Um, and then I feel like it's it's all too easy to go, oh, I don't like so-and-so or I don't think that they're doing something well. So I'm going to leave and try to find a better church. 
instead of thinking, oh, how can I make this better? How can I help bring in this piece that's missing, whether it's, um, oh, I don't think that we're doing all that we could do for like feeding the hungry. Oh, maybe I'm being called to f- start some sort of food ministry within this congregation. Instead, it's like, ah, they're not doing food ministry. Then I'm going to go over to this other church who is doing a food ministry. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you, you know, like, I feel like we get that so confused of like, we don't need to be perfect because we are just a church made up of human beings. We just try the best that we can. And it's God, God's kingdom that is perfect, that will someday be our reality, but it's not right now. Yeah. And that's okay. Cause we have that promise and we hold on to that promise that God's kingdom is coming. That that's, I think I'm, I, I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but like, it feels to me like what you're describing, especially that, that dynamic of church shopping feels to me like a, maybe a uniquely um, modern American heresy that like part of living in a culture where everything is a consumer product is mm-hmm. that we see the church as one more product that I can browse from. And um that well again I, i'm not i'm not saying let's go back to the middle ages where there's no choices and the church is in charge of the government and we burn you at the stake if you don't like what the church says but like the the pendulum has swung to the degree where now like church is another consumer product and that has a way just like you say sarah of like when when i'm shopping for shoes i won't buy until i find the one that fits just right for me and i like all the features about it because i can always take my money elsewhere and if if we treat church like that like it's i'm looking for the perfect one then it's i've made myself the center and maybe mm-hmm. uh especially ironic when we talk about like having my taste in worship like well i'm not supposed to be the one who's being worshiped here so it's okay if i don't like it because i'm not the center of attention i was actually thinking and you you may uh have heard this anecdote of mark ellen powell's as well if you had him at seminary as well but he used to talk about when i had him in classes that um uh he he found it most valuable when he'd gone to worship services and he didn't like any of the songs or the liturgy uh, and the sermon wasn't particularly great uh, because it reminded him that he wasn't there for his tastes, um, that it wasn't the or I've also heard attributed to Francis Chan, like when people complain, like, I didn't like any of the songs or mm-hmm. I didn't like worship. That's okay. We weren't here to worship you. Um, it, that does, though, bring, like, that's such an interesting balance, though, because yeah, it's not all about you, but also I feel like worship shouldn't be torture for an hour, an hour and a half every week, right? right? Like, so like at what point Mm -hmm. do you like, yeah, it's, I think that's a, that's a question bearing asking of like, at what point do you find a different worshiping community? Because it's not all about you. But yet, if you don't like anything about the style of worship mm-hmm. or the leadership, right? Like, I, yeah. and, I, and I don't have a good answer for that. It's just, it's um, it it's not all about you, but um, well, so I, you should like your community and I, your worship, but it's not all about you, like yeah. 
I, I feel a little bit like because of who God is, because God isn't, at least I'm, I'm convinced, God isn't like the floating head of the Wizard of Oz who does seem to demand a bunch of ego stroking. Like that worship is meant to, the, the arrow, so to speak, isn't just us aiming at God, but also that we're people who are fed with God's good gifts at the table of Jesus. We are given God's word that like there is this direction back to when we gather and worship because of who God is, God says, but this is also for you as well. So exactly to your point, Sarah, that like, if I think I'm impressing God by sitting through an hour and a half of drudgery on Sundays, and this will show God how much I love God, God is not impressed. And God does not need us to sing any praises for that matter. And I'm sure in God's ears, even our most lovely trained voices sound kind of uh, sharp or flat or out of tune or something. Um, and so, yeah, if, if, if our sense is because of who God is, it matters that we that there be connection in worship and that Christian worship has something to do with announcing the story and the news of Jesus, then that is an encounter where I, as here, as listener, have to get something out of it. But mm-hmm. like, it, maybe, and maybe it's it's that tension, like you named. It can't be all about me, but it is some about us because, and maybe maybe that's it. The move to the plural that if it's not all in my taste, but it really helps somebody where they're at. Good, it's feeding them, and Jesus is here to feed people. And it's also not just about us human beings. It's also about praising God. And yet, because of who God is, God is not just needing an hour-long ego stroking for, you know, like, that's just not what God's interested or has a need for either. And if we're to be a part of the missional work of the kingdom of God, and we find ourselves in a place of worship where we cannot do that, then does that mean that that is time for us then to maybe find a different place in which we can be a part of that missional work? I think for me, the that that answer lies entirely on how much have you tried to start the missional work within the community that you're already yeah. a part of. Fair. And mm-hmm. if you've like tried and tried and tried, nothing is com- getting off the ground because the community as a whole is resisting it. Mm-hmm. then yeah, I think that maybe it's time to move on and find a community that is willing to do the mission of the church. Um, because uh, again, it's one of those situations where is nothing happening in this area of God's mission that you feel like should and could be doing being done and nobody's doing it? Well, maybe that's because you're supposed to be doing it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that if you give the honest effort and try to get stuff started in your community and it doesn't happen, then yes, maybe it's time to move on. There's there's one dynamic we kind of danced around a couple of times in the various models we've talked about here of mission that I want to toss out again. And I, I can't remember if this is a, a piece of the, the theology of uh, Han, Hans uh, von Balthasar, uh, but the 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 phrase that comes to mind is the church as sacrament of the kingdom, um, and the so like the same way that uh, in many of our Christian traditions we talk about sacraments in which a physical symbol that is earthy and real and just ordinary is also at the very same time a means by which God's grace is communicated. This idea talks about the church's purpose is to be that kind of an embodiment of God's presence or the the kingdom of God, the reign of God, something like that. And that allows us to talk about it, doing it imperfectly and yet truly at the same time. Like, so in the, the one church I serve, members of the church bake communion bread. Uh, and 
that is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. But that also runs the risk that if theoretically somebody burns the bread, like this bread that somebody is not a little bit burnt is also going to be the bread for communion and is, is the body of Christ at the same time. And I think it's fair to say our piety is not that like, well, if the bread is a little bit brown or a little bit, you know, uh, more burned than usual, it's it's not eligible for communion. No, it's going to have, or sometimes it's flaky or sometimes it's too crumbly, whatever. And yet it's that commonness that by which still Christ is present. And I guess I kind of wonder if it's helpful to think of the church in similar ways, not to pretend that we are perfect. And there have been times in church history where it's been, whatever the church says, we are hundred percent right. We're infallible law and you can't deny it, but like, no, we're going to make mistakes. But at the very same time through and in the midst of that, uh, Christ is really present and the reign of God is seen at least in glimpses or in this kind of hidden way through our ordinariness and even through the the places where we're a little bit burnt or crusty or flaky. Maybe it would be worth us asking if there are other like uh, dragon notices we should put up in this conversation. Um, earlier, Sarah had noted that uh, when we were talking about the Bible, we, we noted here, here are where there might be some dragons for Bible reading. Um, and we've talked about how there's maybe different dimensions of what the church's mission mm-hmm. is. Are there are there places that we would want to set up and say, like, uh, if we head in this direction, we're, we might be into dangerous territories. We think about what the church's mission is or maybe isn't. I think for, especially for those brands of Christianity that focus a lot on the, the missional as in sending missionary side of the okay. church. Yeah. Um, one of the dangers and unfortunately was very prevalent in years past, centuries past, uh, but even still kind of as prevalent even to today, is the white savior complex where, you know, they're going in to convert people to their brand, to their style of Christianity. Um, and so Sarah had mentioned, you know, about, you know, people converting Protestants, converting Catholics into Protestantism mm-hmm. because apparently Catholics aren't Christians. Um but also like going in to Africa, to Asia and trying to share with them or even with in the um, within the Native Americans in our own country, sharing with them exactly our brand, our style of worship and saying, OK, this is how you, you know, first off, you must convert, um, you know, that that happened in the Middle Ages a lot and then when you do convert then you must practice christianity in this way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and often that came with sort of a cultural evangelization too of like mm-hmm. while we're here also we should set up you should organize your governments like we have in europe and you should have your yeah. uh cities like we have and you should have trade like we have and hey we'll be trading partners and hey we'll set up colonies here and how quickly what may have had some well-intentioned we should share the good news of jesus with everybody that means let's go far away as well as nearby that very easily becomes oh we can just use these people as means of making ourselves mm-hmm. richer or you know increasing our empires or things like that and you're barbarians let's civilize you right make you like us right right Um, right but that's also and i see this more so even in still today where missionaries will go in and they may not want to change the culture but like they will build a well or they'll build a school or something and they're like oh look what we did we did this for these people and then they leave right and then that well dries up breaks that school starts falling apart 
and then because these Christians from North America came and built that and took all their tools with them (laughs) and took all their tools with them then we don't have the resources or the ability or the knowledge on how to fix it now there's a piece of me that feels like um, it's important as we think about that dimension of mission, that sort of like there, and there are times when it's helpful to go from one place to another because there's either resources here and they're needed there or the know-how mm-hmm. or whatever. I often hear um, our global partners talk about accompaniment as a, as, yes. as a, an important word, which is, which is say we now live in an era where there, there are no continents left to be discovered where human beings haven't been or where one group of people hasn't, you know, met other groups. So we now live in that age where it's not like we should go and tell people who are unaware, but more like when there's a disaster, we might have resources over here and how can we walk with you? Or it might be, we're looking to do some good. Let's meet with the people who live in such and such a place where there's trouble. And you tell us what you need. We can help supply the resources, but you bring the know-how, you bring the skill, or what can we do together so that, yeah, after the trip is over or the short-term uh, resource sharing is done, people uh, can continue on in that work. And it's not just about like photo tourism, you know, like let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's get the picture of me, you know, in this uh, developing nation or something like that and look at the good I did. Like that becomes kind of self-congratulatory where mission is I pat myself on the back for aren't I a good little boy or girl. And, and I feel like that with that accompaniment piece of it, relationship is emphasized more than service to um because like I went on a youth high school trip um as a very young pastor like I was fresh out of seminary and we went to a South Dakota reservation and we didn't really interact with the local people hardly at all we just had like the like that organization's college kids who was overseeing the thing and we like painted a um like we painted a school and we painted a a church building and like that's what we did we didn't really interact with the local community at all and if anything I felt like we were actually taking away work from the local economy Mm, like because what we came in and did something for free that could have paid a skilled craftsman who Mm -hmm. could have better fed his family because he had gotten this work or she. Um, But like there was no relationship in that service project trip. It was just, we went in, we painted this a couple of classrooms and we painted part of the outside of a building and that's it. Like we didn't even actually finish anything because the next week, another group of kids came and like took over. So I feel like that relationship needs to be really emphasized. When and I when went I, down to Go ahead. When I went down to Paraguay, we did something similar but with that accompaniment in there. So um they were working on a seminary in Asuncion in the capital of Paraguay and one of the one of the pastors I went on the trip to on has actually been down there several times to teach Hebrew uh, to the seminary students down there. And so rather than us just going and, you know, building or working on a section of the seminary and another group coming down next week and building it, they were, they were already working on it. You know, the, the people that lived there were working on it. We just came alongside and helped them and gave, gave them a few extra hands for the week, you know, the 10 days that we were down there. Um, 
and that's really where I first saw this, you know, that accompaniment, because we had the relation down there through David, who had been down there countless times talking with, um, you know, a missionary down there, a couple different missionaries down there, and had actually worked with the students of the seminary. And so now we're coming along and helping rather than just building the seminary ourselves and saying, oh, here you go. Now you have a school. When I think about the model we get in the book of Acts, especially like when uh, Paul will go from town to town to town, it's interesting that, I mean, by that point, there's clearly a, a, a growing thing or a movement that is Christianity. Um, and yet so often when Paul go to a place, it's not um, like with this sort of dropping and zooming in, I'm going to fix things up and then, mm-hmm. you know, depart for the next town, like the music man blown into town, you know, but like, he just meets people. He sits and talks with them. He sets up shop and gets to know people that there's very much that relational piece and that there's not like a sales pitch of like, uh, I'm just getting to know you well enough so I can learn how to, you know, phrase my sales pitch at you. And then I'm going to sell you on something, then leave you hanging. But like it, sometimes it's years he's in a community, just getting to know people. And, um, that's that that's mission that that has to be thought of as part of what the church's mission is as well. So if, if, if whatever our definition is, is only um, uh, discernible in bricks and mortar stuff that we, you know, went into another time, built stuff and then left. Clearly, clearly that's not how the book of Acts approaches every situation of mission. So there, there's got to be some kind of diversity there and relationality seems key there. Maybe in the end, uh, how we think about the the mission of the church or why does the church exist isn't like an either or. It's either telling people about Jesus or serving neighbors or going nearby or going far away, but it's all the above. And it's a matter of how, where we are, we do all those things to some degree. Like we said earlier, those are all biblical stances of the mission of the church. So it's not like any one of those is not doesn't have a biblical foundation mm-hmm. and as we look at the early church it does involve all of those things yeah I, I even feel like this might be a way for us to to put as a test case when we were having our our uh conversations about scripture it seemed like we came to a landing point of an important rule of thumb in in scripture is like how do we see this through the lens of Jesus and that maybe we could even think about mission through, well, what kinds of things does Jesus do? If, if being um, church has something to do with following the way of Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus does a whole bunch of stuff. And sometimes he calls people to follow him very clearly. Hey, Matthew, Hey, Peter, Hey, Paul, come follow me. And sometimes he just sits and talks with people like the woman at the well, who we have no idea if she ever comes and follows Jesus, but her life has changed just by the encounter and the relationship. And there's times where Jesus literally feeds people. And there's times where Jesus just stands up to the authorities, even though it's going to look futile. I mean, like Jesus does all those things and that maybe part of the the way we think about the church's mission is how do we embody what Jesus looks like in all those different kind of scenarios. And I think that's partly why I think that church has to be done in community mm-hmm. because I think that one person would have a hard time doing all of those things, embodying all of those pieces of what the mission of the church is. But when you're in community, you're going to have people with gifts for music and worship. And so they're going to really lean into part of our mission as church is to worship God. And then you're going to have other people who have 
like the network and the connection to be able to do a food ministry and a passion for doing it. And so that's what they're going to lean into. And then you have somebody else over here who's really, really good at sitting down with a complete stranger and sharing her testimony and being able to say, hey, this is why I follow Christ and why it's important to me. Would you like to hear more about Christ? Mm -hmm. If so, come with me. Let's go to church together. And, um, you know, I'll be with you the whole time. And it's going to be great. You're going to meet a lot of interesting people and hear a lot. And I think that you'll really connect well. You know, we need all of those types of people in our community. And so, like, you, I don't think you can do it by yourself. Yeah. And so that's why it's yeah. the mission of the whole church, not just one person. Yeah. Mm. And I guess that even suggests to me that part of the church's mission is just to exist as a community where those things are possible. You know, like just even on the day we're not holding any events, when there's this knowledge of there's this community of people and we've got our each other's back and we're here for the wider community. And it's a place where those relationships can happen. It's a place where serving can happen. It's a community where the, all those other things happen. Just that existence is part of uh, our, our purpose, you might even say. Well, what do you know? We actually got to a place where we felt like we tied up some loose ends. <laughs> Way to go, team. Um, however, our conversation in this series on Christianity 202 has more topics to explore, so we invite you to join us next time here on Crazy Faith Talk. See y'all. Bye.